Welcome to episode number 265 of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. What you just heard is the song Race Car by Miss Julianne, who's today's guest, and she's talking all about therapeutic songs for kids. But of course, we didn't just talk about that because we never are that linear in the uh, the Good Stuff Kids podcast conversational universe, but we had to talk about her time on the Appalachian Trail and all kinds of outdoor things that she did and her experiences, and you're going to like Miss Julianne. That was the race car song. Did I mention that? I did mention that. You can hear the whole song at the end of the episode. For all the past episodes, go to goodstuffpod.com. Find me on social media, the at symbol, goodstuffpod. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you at the end of the show. Good stuff. It is a great day here in Houston, Texas to welcome, I think this is safe to say, I think it's safe to say my new best friend, Miss Julianne, to the Good Stuff Kids podcast. Miss Julianne, how are you today? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here and talk to you. We, I Clearly, we have a lot in common, and this is going to be a great conversation. <laughs> yeah, we, we, started, uh, we started talking about all kinds of different things, and we're, we have a lot of ground to cover here. Um, and it's going to be really, really, really fun. So, so Miss Julianne, let's set the scene a little bit. We're, I'm in Houston, Texas. Where are you located? I am in central New Hampshire, so quite far away from you. Yes, quite far, but it's probably beautiful there right now is my guess. It is gorgeous. It is a little bit warm. It's about to thunderstorm, so you might, you might hear some thunder huh. and some big booms in the background, but that... That's pretty exciting. It's awesome. It lends to the authenticity. We had thunder here last night. Um, so you you do a lot of things, right? And and we have a lot of stuff to cover. But w- the main reason for us to to be talking is that you are a musician and you are doing music for kids and music for families. And I think before we get into like your your main focus of the music, it's interesting to hear how you you got your start musically like were you always a musician were you always a guitar player how did this piece of your life come to come to be you know that's such a great question and no one's actually ever asked me that um in in this kind of setting so i have always loved music and my father was very musical but no one was really classically trained in my family or you know my grandparents or anything like that um but from a, from a very young age, I just felt so connected to it. And whenever I felt angry or mad, I just found myself being so drawn to music. And eventually I started to learn the piano. And that's really, really where I got started. So it was third grade, started playing piano. And I loved every second of it, except when my teacher made me play Bach. <laughs> Did not like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like to play my own music. I like to make it up. I like to write songs. And I got really frustrated that I was forced to play other people's songs. Mm-hmm. So you've always been drawn Which to the, that, yeah. drawn to the, like the composition side. Were you like when you were that young, were you like making up your own songs and singing them around the house and things like oh, that? Oh, yeah. I mean, b- 
before we even had a piano, I remember my first music class in kindergarten or first grade, when I realized there was a music teacher, I went right up to her and I was just like, this is the song I have. And I made up some sort of little ditty, right? And I was just like, can, can you help me write it out? Can you help me write my song? I mean, just from the moment I realized that music was a thing you could study and do, I was right in there. Uh-huh. And, it, and, it's, and you've really taken that idea of, of something that you can study and something you can do in a really uh, fascinating direction. So and we're going to get to that in a second. I promise. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because I don't want to like, I don't want to leave any piece of this out. So were were you, when you were growing up, were you like in college, were you playing music? Were you doing things like that? Were you in bands or, and then how did, how did oh, you, yeah, how did you come to, uh, how did you come to the family music side of things? Yeah. So hmm, I, so I'll kind of give you an outline of my, my music life. Right. So I, started with the piano and I had a great time um, writing my own music. And eventually my piano teacher was like, all right, now it's time for you to play Beethoven or I'm not going to teach you anymore. So I was like, well, okay, bye. (laughs) And I just kept writing my own music, but I was kind of stunted in the sense of being classically trained. Um, So in high school, I just, I played in band and I played saxophone And I had a great time with that. And I still kind of wrote some of my own music on piano. Um, But it was in college when I really got back at um, music. And I went to college to study music. But I was a little bit behind because of those absent piano years. Um, (laughs) But but yeah, and so then in college, I I played jazz piano. And um, I had to learn guitar because I was studying music therapy. And guitar is required there. So I started my, you know, the, the guitar part of my life. And, uh, yeah, I just ended up playing a little bit of everything as I went along. Awesome. And, and so, oh yeah. So so the children's music or family music. So in my music therapy studies, um, I had worked a lot with children who had, um, a lot of trauma. So a lot of behavioral issues, right. Um, kids had a really hard time following directions, not because they're bad kids, but because they experienced so much trauma that their brain had a hard time following directions. And I became really attracted to the idea of using music to help these children help follow, to help them follow directions, to help their brains, to help them with their speech or, or all these different things, but then also to help families connect. And so I tried really hard to write music that was engaging and motivating and exciting to not only just the kids, but also the, their whole family. Awesome. So you mentioned the, the therapeutic side of what you do as well. Um, so you obviously you've studied and you've become a music therapist. And I think this is like such a fascinating field. Um, and, and it's and I, I actually am not going to explain it because I don't want to uh, <laughs> say the wrong thing is the wrong way to say what I want to say. But like I, I would rather hear from you, like, what does it mean to be a music therapist? And I know that's a very nuanced and detailed question, but like just if you could paint a broad picture. Yeah. So this is what I always tell people is, you know, we all can feel this magical part of music, right? I think most people feel very drawn to music and can feel engaged and motivated by it. And sometimes I think we think of music as like this actual magical thing. Um, 
But you know, so in music therapy, we're actually, we're not using magic, although it feels very magical. We're actually using science and the way that the brain is stimulated by music. And so what we do is we use that music and the way it stimulates the brain and the body to achieve non-musical goals. So maybe one of those goals is learning how to walk or learning how to walk again if you had had a brain injury. Or maybe one of those goals is learning how to talk, right? But you can use music and the way it stimulates the brain to help facilitate those goals. Huh. So what's an example? I mean, like, and I'm I'm just going to be totally transparent and be like, I don't know what I'm talking about right now. So I'm going to ask this <laughs> yeah, okay. in like the most like, uh, in a way that I, I, I think makes sense. So like, what is a piece of music that, that you use? Like, what's an example of a piece of music that you use to elicit a response scientifically, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah. So, okay. So it's not any specific piece of music, right? I think sometimes we've heard people say like, put baby Mozart on for your kids and they'll be smart. And that's not how it works at <laughs> oh, all, right? Or oh, it's like, man. put this song on it. It'll help calm you down. I mean, that's all very subjective, meaning it just depends on the person. It depends on what songs help you feel calm that you've already identified, right? Um, some songs will elicit calm feelings in one person, but might make someone else feel really quite angry. Uh-huh. So it really is a matter of perspective. It's a matter of who you are. There are a couple standard things, though. Like, for instance, something with a really strong beat, like a drum that goes like, boom, 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 boom. Something like that might be more helpful for walking than it might be for, I don't know, um, speech or something, right? right? Yes. Um, so so I, the way I like to put it, well, let's just talk about maybe someone moving their arm. Let's say they were in an accident and or, or they had a brain injury or something. Okay. And their body couldn't move their arm over their head they were struggling to coordinate that movement from going up either side to over their head. Um, what you could do, well, let's say this is what we know is we can measure those movements using all sorts of, you know, measurement devices uh-huh. and you can see. So without the music, when you're just going from by your side to, to over your head, if you were to look at a chart of those movements, they would be all shaky. They would be unorganized because they'd be tracking all the muscles and all the muscles wouldn't be coordinating together, right? Mm-hmm. But when you add something like a really strong beat in there, it does something called priming in the brain and it organizes the brain so that when it goes to do that movement, all of the muscles are synchronized and they're ready to be organized to get to, uh, you know, from your side to above your head. And so it becomes much more efficient. And so that's, you know, simply using a drum. Maybe the person has a drum above their head Mm -hmm. and they have to, or maybe they have a drum above their head and at their side and they have to beat the drum with the metronome from their side to above their head. And just having that clear, predictable beat is going to allow the brain to be organized enough to make that movement happen. Wow. So, so that's fascinating, right? Like I've studied a lot of rhythm um, and I, and I find that I am drawn more to rhythm personally in a lot of ways than I am to other 
aspects of the musical spectrum, I guess. I don't right. know. Again, like I don't totally know what I'm talking about right now, just in the ways that I understand it. So that makes sense to me, right? To use rhythm as a way to measure movement. Now, are there any, and if we're getting too in the weeds here, and if this is too much of an intricate thing, you can just say, hey, Mike, why don't we talk about something else? And that's fine. But like, are there no, yeah, are there simple like melody things that, that are helpful in that way too? I'm thinking of even something like, and, and again, I'm like skewing way young here, but like for a kid to like move pieces of something to like the, the melody of like twinkle, twinkle or something like that, or is that also more rhythm related? Um, well, that's kind of both. So we know with kids, with their brain neurodevelopment, something with stepwise motion, like twinkle, twinkle, little star or Mary had a little lamb is processed better in the brain than something like, um, a giant jump of an octave so like somewhere over the rainbow right you have that big yeah. giant leap in there dun, dun. that's harder um for a young 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 child like a baby's brain to process so based off where a person's development is also kind of determines what music and what melody lines might be most appropriate huh. for someone yeah, I know. It's absolutely fascinating. Totally fascinating. You know, we know for really young infants, like um, a woman's voice or a child's voice is better received than um, a man's voice. Huh. Uh, and maybe there's, you know, biological or evolution evolutionary reasons for that. Um, we know there are certain decibels that are not appropriate for children or not appropriate for really young children versus older children versus adults. Sure. Um, there is just literally so much variety in it. Yeah. It's so interesting. And, and, and I want, and like, you know, this is, again, you're not my therapist per se, but I'm like so curious if there's something, <laughs> you know, related to the music that I'm drawn to. Right. And the artists that I'm drawn to. And, and if it's like the, the pitch with the pitch that they sing in, or if it's like their specific rhythm, I just think it's a totally fascinating area. However, we're not yeah, here. You, to, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Well, I was just going to say, you know, that's really the te techno, you know, the, the, what's the word, the technological side of it too, though, right. Where uh -huh. it's very mathematic and, you know, we're really looking at the neurological aspect, but then there's also the whole emotional aspect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, melody and rhythm are going to set us up for certain emotions, perhaps. But, um, you know, the lyrics really also matter in how we connect to music. And so, you know, when I'm working with people who have been through a lot of trauma, yes, we're going to set up a predictable beat and a simple melody. But I might have them write or change lyrics to a song that they already really like and connect with uh -huh. so that we can use music as a way of connecting to each other and talking about things that are really, really difficult to talk about. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Um, so, so there's definitely it's not just all like oh, the beat goes here or something like that. Yeah, um, right. They're no, really they're, both sides of it. <laughs> it's deep. It's not just like so rudimentary, expressly designed for me to understand it, but there's a lot going on there. Um, so, okay. So how does this then, Miss Julianne, how, how does this, all of the stuff that we've been talking about, the music therapy and and the talking about feelings and, and the talking, you know, and helping with the, the physical movements and things like that. How has that come out through your music? Okay. Yeah. So my album, Therapeutic Songs for Kids, has been pretty, um, how should I put this? 
been specifically designed to be engaging <laughs> to children and mm-hmm. not just from the sense of using kids topics, but from using um, setting songs up to actually engage the brain, whether or not the kid wants to be engaged. There are, I mean, I, there are, there are places within the songs that just elicit responses and that's because they're specifically set up for the brain to just jump right into. Huh. Interesting. So, so, so what's an example? Yeah. So, um, one of the examples is I have a song called the cat cuddles Katie. And I wrote that specifically to help, um, a young girl with apraxia and apraxia is, when the mouth, when the brain and the, the motor muscles in the mouth are not connecting. So your brain is thinking the word. Let's say you're thinking the word cookie. But every time it comes out different and it doesn't come out the way you want it to come out because your brain isn't connecting to the motor muscles in your mouth. It's not organized. But when we know that when we use a strong, predictable beat, that that can help organize the brain. So the song, just when the simple verse that's repeated over and over, I'll share just the verse. It goes, the cat cuddles Katie when she catches a cold, catches a cold, catches a cold. Oh, the cat cuddles Katie when she catches a cold and she caught a cold today. Ah, too. Right? Uh-huh. Very, very, very simple. And so when I'm working with that child, you know, in a one-on-one setting or something, I will leave out some of those calls and let them fill it in so that they can practice um, that successful sound. So let's try this, you and me, okay? Okay. I'm going to leave out a sound. Let's see if you can fill it in. Okay. Oh, the cat cuddles Katie when she catches a cold. Catches a cold. Catches a cold. Oh, the cat cuddles Katie when she catches a cold. And she caught a cold today. Achoo. Achoo. Good job. That was you, you only heard it once and you did it. <laughs> Thanks. Um, well, I, I mean, I love the idea of the the just leaving the kid room to or the child. Let's be like semi-professional here. Leave it, leaving the child room <laughs> to um, to be a part of it. And that's so thoughtful. It's like really, really thoughtful. And I love that it was written by a real experience with a real, um, real patient of yours. So, so what's another example from, from the record of something like that? Okay. Yeah. So, um, this is in the sense of, it's not a speech one, but it's in the sense of, well, it could be a speech one. Um, but it's, it's following along with giving a child space to be, actively engage in the music making process, right? They have an active role. And so one of the songs is the race car song. Now I wrote this song for a little boy with autism who was in a um, kindergarten group and he loved music. He was super motivated by it. They had a really hard time participating in a group. He kind of bounced around the whole room while the rest of the group was sitting in their circle and singing songs at me. And he would come in and out and in and out and he would sing the songs, you know, from outside the group. And one of the things that this really, this little boy loved was race cars. He absolutely loved and adored the movie cars. And so I wrote a song about race cars um, that I know would entice him in, but the only way So, okay, let me draw that back. In this song, um, when I sing it live for any of my concerts or on my live um, Facebook, you know, music groups, 
I leave room for the kids to tell me what they want the race car to do. So the original chorus written is, I'm going to drive, 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 one, two, three, four, five. That five could also be a speech goal, right? That's mm-hmm. something that you can leave out. Um, I'm going to drive, 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 one, two, three, four, five. But how we can change this is that we can ask the kids, okay, well, what do you want your race car to do? And some kids want their, or what do you want your race car to be, right? Do you want to be a kitty race car? Or if it's the do question, it can be, you can be a jumping race car. You could be a crawling race car, right? I sometimes I get a cupcake race car, all these things. The best. Um, So you can change the lyrics are set up so that it can be easily changed and adapted. If you're at home with your family or if you're in a school setting and you just want to have a fun music activity. Mm -hmm. So um, Mike, what do you want your race car to do? Or if you could, what kind of race car do you want to have? I would like a pizza race car, please. Oh, okay. Let's do it. So then what we'd sing is, let's be a pizza race car. One, two, three, four, five. Or maybe be like, with mushrooms on top, right? Like we could change it however we wanted. Uh Let's be a pizza race car. Yeah, yeah. With mushrooms on top. And then we would just all kind of act that out as as we're um, singing along with it. And, And then... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say there's such an element of improvisation. I love that you're open to that in like the, the classroom well, that's all setting. That's jazz piano. <laughs> What's that? That's all that jazz piano. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but really, you know, that's what music therapists are trained to do. We are trained to make um, active engagement kind of music, not just passive. Let's all sit and just listen because let's be real. I mean, most people, kids and adults really struggle with that. But when we can actively engage them in a music making process, it becomes that much more meaningful and memorable. Yeah. And memorable, memorable, memorable and memorable. I I mean, it's so memorable. (laughs) It's so good to hear like the active part of it. Right. Because I think that when people think of music therapy, there could be, and I will just speak, you know, there could be, right? Could be people who are just like, oh, okay, so I go to a therapist and I listen to Paco Bell's Canon, and then how does that yes. make me feel? But that's not it at all. Or maybe there's no, aspects I mean, of that. That but can like, be. Yeah. That can be. If if maybe maybe what you need is more awareness of your feelings or something. But my goal as a music therapist is to always have my client or my child or my group be as actively engaged as possible because that is when the brain is firing like crazy and that is how we're going to remember important lessons. Amazing. Amazing. So are you primarily working one-on-one with clients or are you doing classes or what's your your focus? I work one-on-one. I also work in small groups and in large groups and also now that I'm get, kind of going into this Miss Jillian children's music entertainment kind of world, I'm doing, you know, also large concerts and, mm-hmm. you know, that whole thing, um, so, which is a little bit different because when I'm doing one-on-one or with groups, I have someone's um, individualized education plan with me, or I have someone's um, goals from their psychologist or their doctor with me that I'm, I'm working towards. So obviously when I'm doing a big group, my, you know, my major goal is just look at the, the age of the kids in front of me mm-hmm. and make sure that I'm adapting all my music to be developmentally appropriate for them. 
that uh, that's great i mean it, and that's so important and to be able to flow between all of those points is is a a very good skill set to have um so another thing that it that is real that we started talking about that was uh was really um you know just sort of of the moment i think for both of us was you, you we had mm. talked a little bit about your experience on the appalachian trail um and you said that you have a background as a forager and and doing things like that and and um and we had both talked about the fact that we've been watching the show alone based on what we heard on a podcast but um was there some connection between your music therapy and i mean maybe even specifically like your time on the appalachian trail yeah so I ended up hiking the Appalachian Trail because I didn't feel very healthy. I was kind of feeling down and I was really tired and my body just wasn't feeling very great. And my doctor had suggested that maybe I was depressed and that I should, you know, either take these medications or kind of reevaluate. And I chose to reevaluate first and just wanted to make sure I liked my job. I was a music therapist. I was pretty sure I loved my job, but, you know, maybe I was wrong and I knew I had liked spending time in nature, so I kind of decided to go hike the Appalachian Trail as a time to reflect. Um, and, you know, as I was hiking the trail, it became really apparent to me that I was definitely not depressed, um, but that, in fact, my body was actually probably really sick. Um, and it gave me this really great time to reflect on all the things I loved, and I loved doing the children's music stuff, so was kind of on the Appalachian Trail was when I decided to make my first children's album and I, you know, decided to go ahead and kind of felt like, you know, the best way for me to have the biggest impact possible was to, you know, put all this music together and train teachers, train parents, train and train children how to use them in all these different ways. Um, so when I finished the Appalachian Trail, uh, six, it took me six months, by the way. When Whoa. I finished it, that was when I decided to go um, to get more testing. And I actually decided to go to a different doctor because I felt like my first doctor wasn't really hearing my needs. And that's just another caveat. It is always okay to see a different doctor if you feel like your first one's not really listening. Hmm. Um, and um, the different doctor found that I had Lyme disease and I actually had it quite severely. Um, and it had actually impacted my brain. And uh, from there, you know, going to the children's music world and this album now became this really, um, it was like a coping skill to help me get through, you know, the, this kind of sadness of having my life change so dramatically um, from this infection and this brain injury. So you were, you hiked the Appalachian Trail for six months while you were sick. Yeah. With an infection. With an infection. Like a, a very big infection. bad one. Yeah. My knees, my knees were these giant swollen balloons. Oh my. Um, I got something called cryptosporidium while I was on the trail in Pennsylvania. Um, and I, and so if you don't know what cryptosporidium is, and I'm sure many of your listeners will not know what it is. I, I, I will I admit, I do, not, I do not know what it is. It's similar to like Giardia. So it's a stomach parasite that you get, or intestinal parasite that you get from drinking unfiltered water. And although I drank, only filtered water. I did swim a lot. So it's possible when I was swimming, I got some of this. Um, it's a parasite. It's an actual like organism. Got some of that in my system. 
And I had this terrifying experience where I, um, to put it lightly, was pooping a lot, <laughs> right? Well said. Out uh-huh. on the well trail uh-huh. and, and needed to get to a hospital um, and uh, managed to do this miraculous two-hour hitchhike to a hospital thanks to some amazing native Pennsylvanians oh, and wow. um you know, through Facebook, I found a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend who was able to take me in for the week while I recovered from this parasite. And um, the thing about this parasite is it only really infects people who are already having a a rough time, so to say, like they have to have a very weak immune system. They either have to be super, super young or very, very old. And so this was another kind of really big red flag that there was something really wrong with my body at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also on the Appalachian Trail, I tore my Achilles. Oh my uh, gosh. You know, <laughs> yeah, like 500 miles from the finish, I tore my Achilles, but oh. I would not stop because I was too stubborn. Wow, good for you. So you did it. I don't know. I don't know if it's good for me. I, looking back at it, I think I should have learned some lessons and you know, well, learned when to say no, but it's okay. But I, think I, it, I finished. Look, we can spin this and let's spin this the way we want to spin it. And that is yeah. you I set mean, out with a goal in mind and you accomplished that goal. Torn Achilles and everything. Torn Achilles and everything. Lyme <laughs> disease. Wow. Stomach parasites and torn Achilles. Yeah. So that's a thank you for sharing that story. Um So it took you six months and were you on your own that whole time? Yeah. So I started on my own. I went down on my own, um, flew down the airplane. Right. And Uh I, as you can tell, I'm, I'm pretty quick at making friends. Uh Um, (laughs) So I definitely had lots of friends that I met and I hiked with along the way. And I'm actually um, married to a man who also hiked the Appalachian Trail the same year as me. Oh, wow. Um, but we didn't meet. We never met on the trail, but we met at the rock climbing gym a month after I finished. And he oh finished gosh. the Appalachian Trail the day before me, but we had never met. Wow. That is that is a killer story. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So cool. So cool. Um, yeah, so the trail's pretty magical. Yeah, it sounds like it. And, and I think that uh, I'm so glad that it, has inspired you and, and, and it pushed you, I think in a real way. And I'm so glad, you know, that the, um, that while you were on there, you got that clarity to be like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And I'm going to make a record. And then you did it and the record's great. And, um, I just think the story is phenomenal. And I think that your knowledge base is phenomenal. And I want to, you know, we could go song by song and you could talk about the, the therapeutic, um, theory or philosophy behind each one, but I think that um, we want to leave something for for folks to discover on their own. So, so Miss Julianne, oh, yeah. like, what what would be the best way for people to uh, to keep up with you and to find out more and to check out the record and website, social media, etc. Yeah. So um, Instagram, you know, for the adults, if you're just kind of curious what the record making process is like, or if your kids or your older kids are kind of curious, it's at Miss Julianne Music. And so I spell that M-I-S-S-J-U-L-I-E-A-N-N. And I'll sing it one more time for you to help you remember it. M-I-S-S-J-U-L-I-E-A-N-N. And now I'll remember it. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Miss at Miss Julian Music is uh, the Instagram, and right now I'm working on my second album. So if you kind of, oh, and I'm working on this giant YouTube series that is not up yet, but 
you know, if you're kind of curious what that's like, I, I definitely post a lot of updates on kind of what I'm working on. So you can check that out. Um, and then on Facebook, I do weekly live music groups. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just Miss Julianne on Facebook. And now you all know how to spell it. Um, but yeah, can you definitely check in with me there. Oh, so close. Yeah, E-A-N-N. You got it. I know. I should have sung it third time. Third time. Third time. Oh, man. Well, but yeah. I just think this is what you're doing is so great. And I want to thank you. I should also say that you reached out and I appreciate so much you reaching out to, uh, to talk with me about what you do musically and, and so much more of your story. I want to share you. I want to share you. Thank you so much for sharing so much of yourself with me here today. Of course. All right. Thanks, Miss Julianne. Of course, of course. All right. Yeah. Thank you ha- for having me. Totally. Huge thank you to Miss Julianne. I hope you like that. Check out her record, Therapeutic Songs for Kids. And now here is the race car song, the whole song for you and your family to enjoy. Thanks a lot. Talk to you very, very soon.
ran out of gas. I have more gas. Good stuff.